This is Chatting Human Design, the place to be to hear how real people use human design in their everyday life. I'm so excited to have you. Hey friends, welcome back to Chatting Human Design. Today, my guest is a 1-3 mental projector, a mental projector just like me. I love having fellow mental projectors on the pod. Her name is Bridget. She's an intuitive life coach. And she's been in an experiment for a while, about four years, right, Bridget? It's actually getting closer to three. I think I fudged the date when I was telling you my bio, not on purpose, but no, I know. This is part of a whole other process I went through. It can feel like a very long time because it's a lot of information and it's a lot of experimentation. It's like, I've been doing this forever, really. 10 years. It's been a decade. <laughs> Right, right. So I'm so happy that you reach out to me and that we're doing this podcast. Today is really just going to be about mental projectors. When I first learned I was a mental projector, it was very overwhelming and I didn't have a lot of resources. And so I had to just kind of talk to other mental projectors and figure it out on my own. But I hope that this podcast will help other MPs, which is what I like to call them, realize that there's a place for you in human design, even if it feels like you're the outsider, like everybody else is playing at the cool kids table and you're on the outside going, how do I do this? Like you all look like, you know what you're doing. How do I do this thing? You do it by not doing it. (laughs) The how is there's no how. It's a joke. No, just kidding. Um, Anyway, so yeah, we're going to talk about being mental projectors and anyone can find value in this. Even if you're not a mental projector, you probably know one because we're awesome. <laughs> so I'm going to start Bridget by asking you, how, how did you get into this thing? How did you get into human design? Where did it come from for you? I discovered human design as part of a larger awakening process that happened for me that started in March of 2018 when Oprah was on Gwyneth Paltrow's podcast and she was talking about a book that she read that she thinks everyone should read. And for some reason, I ordered the book and the book was A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. And I really enjoyed A New Earth, but then I found The Power of Now. And The Power Mm -hmm. of Now was this, it was like a manual. It was like this book that could just tell me all of these things in a question and answer format. And um, so I spent about a year all immersed in Eckhart and the present moment and realizing how I don't live in the present moment ever. I never have. It's always worrying about the future, always living in anxiety. Uh, Some people live in the past more, but I was more future anxiety ridden. Yeah, me too. And then uh, about a year later, another um, person was on Gwyneth's podcast uh Lacey Phillips she Mm -hmm. has it to be magnetic yeah I know who that is and I thought and she was talking about manifesting and I followed her podcast and then she was talking about manifesting and I thought manifesting sounds interesting it sounds magical Mm -hmm. and as part of her manifestation process one of the things that she talks about is the arrows in the human design Mm -hmm. and I now understand some this can be sort of controversial yes in some circles I don't super controversial I don't need to be controversial no I love love talking about them I talk about them on purpose because they're controversial so bring it on so it said I was a specific manifester and I thought, oh, that's interesting. And then, and then I enrolled in her program. And then soon after I got my first human design reading, really just from the standpoint of as part of this manifestation process and mm-hmm. part of 
just part of this world that I was like discovering. Being a first line without knowing that you're a first line. That's totally what it sounds like to me. (laughs) So I did a reading and then it was just from that point on, it was present moment living with the human design. I started to get some astrology readings. I started to do some breath work, meditation, and just really kind of immerse myself in this adding the way I say it is adding a lot of tools to my toolbox and human design has been it's like I've definitely an important tool like a hammer in the tool box or something that I'm reaching for a lot it Mm -hmm. just gave me so much um, confidence and clarity and what I say to people is we get to decide what things mean to us that's this thing that no one teaches us Mm -hmm. and so here's a system called human design and I have been immersed in it for almost three years. I feel better. I'm enjoying my life more. Mm -hmm. And so I make it mean that it's real as as much as I want it to be and a tool as much as I want it to be. And I think that a lot of people don't welcome these kind of tools into their toolbox because they- It's too woo. And I think that's that's really unfortunate. And I think that's shifting. Me too. I was the same way. I was very like, this is too, I didn't even like horoscopes and all that stuff. I was like, I'm yeah. not really into all this stuff. And it just kept grabbing me. And, and I just kept mm-hmm. coming back to it. It's you use some of the same words that I use. It's so funny that with human design, it gave me confidence, gave me clarity. Yeah. I use it alongside of breath work and meditation. So it's, it's so funny as mental projectors that we reach for some of the same tools, Yeah. but as a first line. And when I say that, uh, Bridget's profile is a one, three, and the one is sometimes referred to as the first line and first lines are here to gather a lot of information. They want to know a lot about a lot of different things. Before we came on the podcast, Bridget said she listened to a bunch of my different podcasts just so that she can become familiar with my voice. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's such a first line thing. I love it so much. So I think it's cool that we have a lot of similarities, but I don't, I don't prepare a lot for things. I used to. I used to like freak myself out and be like, okay, you have to be super prepared and have so many notes and practice what you're going to say. Just practice, practice, practice. And then I realized as a three, six mental projector, that's not my jam at all. I'm kind of here to stick my foot in it first and go, oh, okay, this is how this is going to go. Let's keep going and kind of feel it out. And the more prepared I am, the worse off it normally is for me, the more anxiety I give myself. Mm -hmm. And the more, like you say, I build it up in my head as this big deal, but instead it's just, I'm confident with myself now. I know that I know what I'm talking about, especially when it comes to human design and I can have conversations and not worry about what I sound like, or if I've practiced Mm -hmm. my words, which I used to do quite a bit. So yeah, I love that we both come to this thing where human design has helped free us from some things but it's also not like our whole life. I think that's another thing that kind of scares people's, someone asked me the other day if it was like a religion or a cult or something. And I was like, no, no, it's a tool. It's really, you use it however you want to use it. And Mm -hmm. there's certain people who are really strict in the way that they view human design and the way that they use it. And they might not agree with some of the things that we say, variables, variables, Um, but it doesn't really matter because exactly like you said, Bridget, we are using it ultimately to help ourselves and to have a more positive outlook on life. And if that's the power that we give it, who cares where it came from or Mm -hmm. what it sounds like it's about and oh, it has to do with astrology too weird. No, it's 
freaking cool. And I have never met a person who I told them a little, even a little bit about their human design where they weren't like, oh yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's me. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's so validating. I think that's yeah. one of part of the process of human design is this validation process of, oh, you know, the chart tells you things and then you get to decide if what it feels like. And so much of it feels like, oh my gosh, yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And then the parts that you initially think are no, 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 usually end up being yes, yes, yes too. So it's, yeah. it just, it's, it's a source of support, I think. Yeah. I feel like those are the parts you don't want to look at about yourselves. The real deep parts where you're like, nope, that doesn't sound like me. That doesn't sound like me. Ah, oh, damn it. It is me. <laughs> And then we see it and it's like you said, it's very validating and it's very refreshing, but it also helps me to see these things as not bad. Like my human design chart is great. Well, all the parts of it are great. Um, Some of the things I are more challenging than others. Some of the things I'm great at, it's just, it's how we work with it. And it makes me really excited to see other people experimenting with it in their real lives. And I'll have people who I've mentioned it to offhand who will come to me and say, oh yeah. I, I asked myself yes or no questions. I'm like, yeah, generator go. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's tips, it's tricks, it's tools to have a nicer human experience. What if you only tried responding yes or no? What does that feel like? And, and for so many of the things you try it and you think, Ooh, that feels better. Mm -hmm. And then it's easier to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. I think that projectors probably engage in the most of the human design experiment, I think, because it, it's one of those tools that lets us feel, you know, they say human being wants to feel safe, safe, seen, and soothed. And mm-hmm. I think for so many projectors, that's what human design does. It adds exactly. a level of safety. You feel seen and you feel soothed because you're like, there's nothing wrong with me. Yeah, Exactly just like that. There's nothing wrong with us. I love yeah. that. There's so, nothing wrong with me. Right? Oh my God. Now what am I going to do? Yeah. Now what am I going to do? So when you found out that you were a mental projector, um, how, how was, how was that? How'd that go? <laughs> I had a different experience from you. I know yours was ah! <laughs> anger. There was anger involved. I was pretty pissed. Yeah. Uh, since human design was part of this whole sort of unraveling of my life and a rebuilding and remembering of who I am. It was, it wasn't, I didn't feel angry. and I didn't feel upset. I felt more like curious Mm -hmm. and I was already in the process of surrendering so much. So I said, you know what, what if this is another thing that I can surrender to while I'm already doing a whole lot of surrendering and see how it feels. And yeah. I think when you set an intention to, to do something like that, to get something out of something that serves you, you know, mm. with the intention of clarity, with the intention of support, with the intention of love, that's what you get out of it. Yeah. So that's, it. I added that to my, um, to my experiment. I feel like I've had an acceleration process. You know, I figured out all of this mm. stuff in a short period of time. And as a one, three, uh, that kind of feels good. You know, I'm yeah. satisfying, satisfying the one and then the three, it feels like, you know, I'm, I'm not bouncing around quite as much. There's still like the bump, 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 but yeah. it's not like the wild yeah, crashings me. around of the three. three six here. <laughs> I'm basically a mil- I have 10 third lines in my chart. So I'm a walking, talking three. So, <laughs> and it is different how 
it's crazy how different we are, even though you do have a third line, how that one is so prominent for you and how it works so well for you. I would get very overwhelmed if I had, if I had a lot, all, a lot of information about different things going on. Like I usually have to have like a one thing focus and that's such a good strength for you to feel confident that you or you can gain knowledge about all these different things and not be overwhelmed with it. Mm-hmm. And other people will come to you because of that, because they see, oh, look, she can handle all this knowledge. Give some to me. <laughs> right. And, and when you have this breadth of knowledge, you can, I think, show up and serve even better Yeah, because the way that you serve everyone is sort of different. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so again, it's just another way to, it's another way to make your human experience feel nicer, mm-hmm. which is the goal. Yeah. Was there anything about your chart, not just being a mental projector, but anything about your chart that you learned about and thought this isn't me, or it was kind of like, mm. I don't know about this. <laughs> nothing. No, actually nothing off the top of my head. I remember feeling overwhelmed by the information. Mm. I, I remember when, when I learned um, that I absorbed the emotions of others around me mm-hmm. and that it's hard for me to determine if it's mine or someone else's. Mm -hmm. That one was, that kind of tripped me up for a little while because I didn't realize this till I was 44, 43 years old. And I'm kind of like, I think one of the things that human design has allowed me to do as I've done a lot of inner shadow or inner child and shadow work and all of the things is to go back to those times in my life and and apply the human design. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, were you overwhelmed? Were you, did you feel bad because you were processing all of the things around you? Like there was nothing wrong with you. You didn't do anything wrong. All of the things that you sort of attach to as negatives and as Mm -hmm. things that make you small or feel shame, human design allowed me to, to tackle that even again, more efficiently. Cause it was like, Mm -hmm. Oh, wait a minute. I was four. Do you know what I mean? Like end of story. I did the best I could. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, I think that's just, again, another beautiful, uh, a beautiful side effect of human design. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The emotional center was, is hard for me too, mostly because I'm, I didn't realize how conditioned I was against all, like all emotions. Like mm-hmm. I didn't want to be around them. I, I had mm-hmm. to police other people's emotions to make sure that I felt okay especially with my husband, I, I had to make sure everything was all right. He wasn't having a bad day or even a bad moment because then I would feel it and I didn't want to feel bad. And I really had to let go of that and say, that's, I'm doing him a disservice by not allowing him to feel the spectrum of human emotions and deal with it himself as a, as a human being. I was trying to jump in so that mm-hmm. I didn't have to feel ugh, inside. So that was one of the big, big things I had to learn about the emotional center is that sometimes we're just, it's just going to be uncomfortable for us. Like that's just how it goes. <laughs> and so when you are, when you realize something like that, when you realize in, in real time, how you are acting and not self, you are trying to control your husband's emotions so that you don't feel his negative emotions. Mm-hmm. What is the process that you go through to move from like knowing it to embodying it? Is it do you talk to yourself a lot? Like I'm doing mm-hmm. that again, or are you policing yourself then for yeah, that a behavior? little bit? 
<laughs> I I've always had a thing with control. I've always wanted, I was felt safer if I was in control, if I have control of all things. And so this is, I think a little bit of an offshoot of it. That's got like an emotional solar plexus twist because I didn't mm-hmm. want to feel. as soon as I read that when we feel other people's emotions, it hurts us like physically. I was like, that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to stop the feeling uncomfortable by, by telling him, no, you're not allowed to have any negative emotions. I'll take those. I'll do what I need to take it away Mm -hmm. from you. And I didn't allow him to have it. And I realized I was doing that. And I realized it was a control thing. And it actually came out on a podcast. I was recording a podcast with somebody and I was talking about control. And I think through the process of talking, soundboarding with that other person, I was like, oh, this is what I'm doing. Oh, because it hurts. Oh, and it was in the podcast that it happened. And I can't remember which one, but it was one of the earlier ones. And then afterwards, I was like, that is, that's, that's totally what I'm doing. And I still do it. Like I still catch myself going, oh, I don't want, because I mean, it, how ingrained in it, 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 in us, is it that we don't want to feel other people's pain? Like my whole life, that's what I've been avoiding. My whole life as a child, especially was like, keep everything here, be responsible for everybody's stuff. And don't have any emotions of your own. Don't no crabs. Yeah. Don't have meltdowns. Don't do anything bad. I was a very, very good child because I could not handle causing any sort of waves. Like purposefully, I didn't do anything bad because I, I wanted to make sure everything was okay. And I realized now that was because I felt it so intensely in my body, especially as a child, especially around a lot of turmoil. Mm-hmm. I just was doing anything I could to not feel it. Anything. And for me, that was control the situation and make sure everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. And if people were fighting, like my parents, I would leave, I had to leave, I would leave the room. Actually, I, when, when I was a little kid, I would take showers. I took a lot of showers and it was because I couldn't hear them yeah. if I was in the shower. Interesting. So that's how I avoided it. And now I'm realizing that it's not to be avoided. It's going to be messy and like, yucky especially for us and that's just how it's gonna be and now I feel a lot stronger about it and I still sometimes have trouble figuring out what's mine and what's not mine Mm -hmm. emotion wise that one's a little bit hard sometimes for me when it's fear I know it's mine that's when I know it's mine when it's fear (laughs) because it's coming that you can identify yeah and I know I don't feel like I've I mean I do feel other people's fear but I feel like when I feel another person's fear, my knee-jerk reaction is, how do I help make that go away? But when I feel my own fear, my knee-jerk reaction is, how can I spiral this into an even bigger, crazy fear and make it all anxiety and crazy? So when it's somebody else's, I'm like, oh, I want to help you. It's not as bad as you think. It's not as bad as you think. It's all good. But when it's mine, it's 10 times worse than I think because I explode it in my brain. And I think that's part of being a mental projector is Sometimes we can get really in here. For me, anxiety-wise, I get really in here and spirally. <laughs> right, and it's knowing what is worth, what is a value to think about mm-hmm. and what is not a value to think about. Yeah. And the reality, I think, is that we're always going to be thinking. And so it, for I, I, sometimes I will say to myself, is this worth thinking about? Mm-hmm. And I just say no. And then I just stop. I just give myself permission to move on to the next topic. I can find something very easy to replace it, but it's that interruption yeah. 
in yeah. the thoughts. Like, is this worth thinking about? No. The not self question like, of the head, which you do very well, even though you have a divine head is, am I thinking about things that don't matter? And yeah. that is a big one for me. I do the same thing. And it's a lot of future. It's a lot of, I'm planning for this thing. I'm preparing for 12 different outcomes. How is it going to go? And then I'll have to go, wait, are you thinking about things that don't matter in this moment? And that will bring me back. But it's a good tool. It's a good tool to use to go, there's nothing I can do about these things right now. So let's go mm-hmm. back to where I was. And, and training so many parts of myself to have something that I can grab mm-hmm. and, and then trust it. So, mm-hmm. so, you know, and it's a process of like, is this, worth, is this worth thinking about? Sometimes I would say no, but I would do it anyway. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, it, it's a, it's a muscle. It's an energetic muscle mm-hmm. that you just have to keep practicing, but it's that trust and surrender in the things that feel good to you, that keep you in alignment, that support you, mm-hmm. that you have to keep pulling on. And, um, and sometimes that can just, you know, life just gets in the way and you're like, mm-hmm. forget it. You know, I've had enough. I'm going back to my old tools for a little while. Yeah. And that's the best. That was one of my favorite things about learning, not just about mental projectors, but for all the types. But I do think it, it's really important for mental projectors to realize because they can get really stuck on it is you're not here to do this perfectly. You're not here to, mm-hmm. to like master the, the way to use human design. You're going to fall back on your own stuff. You're going to think about things that don't matter. You're going to let other people's emotions really rile you up. Like it's just going to happen because we're human beings. The awareness piece, the piece where you're like, oh, I see what I did there. And the compassion of going, well, it's not the end of the world. It's okay. We're moving on. Those pieces, I think, minimize when that stuff ends up happening. Mm-hmm. The, the way that we make it feel, the, like you said, the, how we build it up in our bodies, like we don't build it up as much because we've done this before and we go, okay, yep. it's not actually as big of a deal as I used to think. So I'm going to I'm going to calm it down a little bit. That's how, that's Wait, how I feel anyway. And I think it's safe for me to let this thought go. It's yes. safe for me to let it go and move on. And that is, that takes time to get to that point where you can really say, okay, like, no, I'm not thinking about it anymore because mm-hmm. it's, it's, we're very trained at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we totally are. <laughs> so what's your favorite part about being a mental projector? If you had to pick some stuff. I like the way that understanding my, my aura, understanding the way that my energy works Mm -hmm. and then really seeing that in real life and playing with it in real life. Mm -hmm. So, um, understanding that my R is very penetrating and understanding that if I have someone in front of me they're having as an experience. Mm. And I think before I understood this, I was focused on their experience with me, but from the standpoint of controlling, like telling Mm -hmm. them what they wanted to hear, making them feel good, engaging with them in a way that made them feel really good, Mm -hmm. uh, which I'm very good at. And now being able to enter the same social situations and first of all, wait, to be invited, <laughs> right. never initiate conversation ever, ever, ever. It's so hard for me. Mm-hmm. So I walk in and it, it allows me to be more present in the moment, which is, you know, my main, which is where I got here, you know, through the present moment living of Eckhart Tolle. And it, like it enhanced that ability because 
I would walk in and I would be like, like, and it's so weird because I would have said I felt good. Yeah. But now that I understand what it was and I'm doing it differently, I'm like, wow, that was a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm the same way I get when I'm around people, I get really jazzed up and I'm like, oh, this is great. This is who I am. And then when I'm not around them and it goes away, it's like, (laughs) it's so exhausting. What's wrong with me? Right. (laughs) So just being able to play with that and allowing, allowing a, a presence in myself with interactions with other human beings, noticing the way my energy impacts them. Uh, waiting for the invitation, mm-hmm. um, keeping my knowings to myself. Mm-hmm. And it just makes everything so much more enjoyable. I think mm-hmm. I rarely feel anxious and stressed like I used to. And it's been a process, but it, it's like, it was all of the, just the unplugging from my mm-hmm. external. Yeah, and, and that doesn't mean I'm not involved in my life, but it's that energetic withdrawal that has just been it just gave me such a permission to be like I'm not doing it I'm not doing it anymore I don't have to and guess what it's bad for me yeah right we're qual I'd like to think of us as quality energy rather than quantity and we have to protect it (laughs) yes I've always been a quantity quality over quantity girl yeah me too um and I love my one of my favorite parts about being mental projector this is a projector thing in general is I do have to say when I learned that I wasn't here to work or wasn't here to do, I got very happy with that. Mm. It made me very happy. I didn't know what to do with it because I was like, well, I have to pay rent and I have to do make a car payment. So I have to do something, but to be able to, like you said, experiment, experiment and play with the idea of it's not going to look the way that I thought it was going to look because of this piece. It's very exciting. So the part about us being, not being here to do, but being here to guide. And as mental projectors, we're like the guide's guide. We're the projector's mm-hmm. projector. So it's very, it get, let me all off the hook for a lot of I, keeping up I was trying to do. And that part made me very happy. So that's probably one of my favorite parts. Also knowing that I, time and space are good for me was a hard thing for me to grasp and learn, but I'm really getting to enjoy it more. I, I'm, I don't like to give myself time or space to do anything. I like, if someone texts me or messages me, I'm like, right back, email me right back. Cause I, I almost feel like if I don't, it's going to go away. They're going to change their mind and whatever opportunity they're bringing me, I'm, I'm not going to get that invitation anymore. It's going to go away. Mm-hmm. And I've had to really work with the Janelle, this invitation is for you to decide what to do with it. If, if it's for you, mm-hmm. it will stay and remain right. for as long as you need to think about it. If it's not for you, then it will go away. And none of them have gone away. Even if I force myself to not email somebody back and I will do that on purpose. I will say, mm-hmm. do not, even if you know the answer, I will force myself to soundboard and think and be in different environments just simply so that I take the pressure off myself and I mm-hmm. stopped thinking that the opportunities and people are just going to be like, oh, never mind. You didn't answer me in 12 hours. I take it back. Like, <laughs> I know that that's not a thing anymore, but I used to feel very like, it's the undefined heart, I think, was, was like, I have to prove to you that I'm mm-hmm. ready for this. And, I'm, and I answer back really fast. Look how fast I'm answering you back. Like, I must be an amazing human being. <laughs> and I realized that 
it didn't like none of that matters. Like take, take your time if you want. And, and that's another piece that I've been working on, but I really like, because I, I did really put a lot of pressure on myself to really get back to people quickly and be there for them quickly. Like mm-hmm. here I am, if you need to talk to me, I'm ready. And it's like, no, maybe you're not ready to guide right now. Just because you're a guide doesn't mean mm-hmm. you're here to just everybody come to you and be like, Hey, guide me. Let's go. Like we are here to be choosy about those sorts of things. And I've never been choosy. I've always been like, what? Okay. Whatever you bring me, I'll do it. Let's go. I'll try that thing. I'll try that thing. I've been a third line since before I knew what human design was. And I didn't realize it until I think back on my life and I'm like, Oh crap, man, I would literally try whatever just to see if I liked it or if it was for me or if I could help somebody with it or something like that, you know? So yeah, I get really excited. Because they're all invitations. And when someone invites a projector, a bitter projector, we're like, oh my gosh, yeah, we want to, it's this whole worthy Take anything. (laughs) Yeah. I I do think it's so interesting that our design requires us to wait for the invitation understand that the invitation is correct for us before we accept it. So it's not like you just need to hustle, not hustle, but get the invitation, you know, somehow allow the invitation, allow the invitation. And then um, you have to decide if it's good for you. And mm-hmm. we have to do that by soundboarding with people. And then, and then the invitation can also close, which mm-hmm. I believe is something when I learned about that, that also allowed me to forgive myself, allowed me to go back to the times where I didn't understand what happened or, or I was you know, one of those things in your brain that you remember. And I was mm-hmm. like, was, was it as simple as like the invitation was rescinded mm-hmm. and the answer is yes. And yeah. it just has allowed me to be like, okay, I don't, I'm not even going to think about that anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not worth thinking about. I've, I've figured it out. And I'm moving along. Yeah, gosh, if, if an invitation got rescinded from me before I learned about all this, I would have been devastated. Oh, these people <laughs> hate me. No one likes me. Like, that's how I would have been. But now you're right. The part about the invitation thing was an, it was an interesting thing to learn. But what really threw it for me and was like, oh, this is like, I have to get serious about this was just because you get an invitation doesn't mean it's for you. When mm-hmm. I very first learned about human design, I took it to mean any invitation we get, that means it's for us because we're getting the invitation. And then I studied more. I was like, wait, the invitation, <laughs> the invitation is just an invitation. That's all it is. And There's I, a caveat. yeah, yeah. I have to use my authority <sighs> to figure out if it's correct for me. And yeah. I still might not pick the right thing, but Hey, you know, look at it, think about it, know yeah. that you don't have to accept it. And there have been times in my human design journey where I've been invited to, to be a part of other things. And because it was about human design and these people learn human design, I was like, oh, yep, this has got to be for me because I love human design. But what they were asking of me was things that I was not interested in all, like, like admin, computer stuff, like all stuff that I don't want to do or worry about. And I realized that just because this is a human design laced invitation doesn't mean that it's for me. And I pulled myself out of that situation in a couple of other situations where I was like, you know what, I'm, uh, this isn't for me. So I'm just going to exit. And I didn't fail mm-hmm. and it wasn't the wrong thing. It was the right thing because look at all this shit that I learned. And usually I learned so much stuff. I'm like, Oh God, yeah, that, 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 that. And now when I 
collaborate with people or when they invite me into certain things, I go, am I, am I reading charts? Okay, good. That's what I like to do. Mm-hmm. Nope. That's all I like to do. I don't like to market. I don't like none of this stuff. I just want to read. I just want to share. I just want to connect. That's all I want. And I've had coaches who are like, okay, that's all we want you to do. And I'm like, what did I just win the lottery? Are you sure? And that's really, it's really feels good to know that I can be valuable to people for something that I think isn't, is just something that I love so much and something that I just love to share and talk about. And I don't have to do any extra stuff to show that I'm worth it for you to work with me or to collaborate with me. And that's, that's another big undefined heart piece, which I did actually want to ask you about because Bridget has an open heart, which is a little bit different, not a lot, but a little bit different than an undefined heart. So if you have a human design chart and you look at it, and the small triangle on the right is white and has no colored lines coming out of it, you are an open heart. How does it, how, how does that show up for you being an open heart? I think it just explains the way that I created my Superman fortress of solitude (laughs) to live in when I was feeling ignored or out of place or out of sorts and um and I think I did that a lot mm-hmm. a lot a lot a lot a lot a lot and so it's kind of like again I, the, I didn't do anything wrong there's nothing wrong with me there wasn't there wasn't something happening that was terrible it was the way I was experiencing my environment and so you don't need that mm-hmm. you're Fortress coping with the solitude. situation with what you had at the time Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. You don't need your fortress of solitude. Yeah. So it, it, I think learning, seeing how the undefined heart impacted my life and now being able to, I was thinking of like old Bridget and new Bridget. It's like, mm-hmm. I feel much more, I have much more of an understanding of things. Human design allows you to depersonalize the external environment around you. Mm-hmm. We're so programmed to make it all about us and oh my gosh. And, mm-hmm. and when you're designed the way we are and we're so open to all of it and open heart the totally open heart doesn't help mm. so um just being like you're saying of the awareness of it the awareness of it changes the game entirely it really does and i didn't really talk about what the heart center is but uh it usually for most people has to do with proving themselves and showing their worthiness through action and through things that they think other people will go, oh, good job. You're worth it. You're, you're doing good as a human being. Great job. That's how a lot of undefined or open heart people will feel. And usually we have a lot of, we have a hard time with boundaries. So I think it's very interesting that you said you kind of swung the other way with it. You went like ultra boundaries. And I think that's a similar way of, of using the energy of going, oh, I'm going to put up big boundaries mm-hmm. to protect this heart of mine. I either had no boundaries where I was doing all the things and, and saying all the things. And then of course I was uninvited. So I was bitter. Mm. So I would go into my little solid yeah. fortress of solitude. Big boundaries. Yeah. And that's part of the, the pattern. One of the things I love about human beings is we're so patterned and I, yeah. I've identified so many of mine and that's one of them. It's that, that I'm in and I'm out, I'm in, or I'm in my, I'm in, I'm out in the world, la, 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 dancing, or I was totally withdrawn 
there was very little um, middle space for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, that's cool <laughs> that you kind of, the undefined heart kind of made you swing like a pendulum here yeah. and then here. And now you're figuring out like the middle part of it. Yeah. And I feel like people who have completely open centers like you do can become very wise about this energy mm-hmm. and it can become very wise about, for instance, with the open heart, other people's proving habits, other people's sense of unworthiness, other people's uh, coping mechanisms and conditioning surrounding how, what they do for other people, how they mm-hmm. show up in this world because they think they have to somehow. One of my favorite quotes that I heard in a meditation, I can't remember which one it was, is if you never did a single thing for another person for the rest of your life, you would still be worthy. And I love it because I thought about it. And when I first heard it, I'm like, so wait, I can be a completely selfish human being and think a thousand percent about myself all the time and still be a worthy human being. That doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right. And, but I keep thinking about it more and more. And I'm like, actually, that's totally right. And if I did that, it serves the other people. It serves everyone else to really focus on yourself and make sure that you're happy and make sure that the people in your life, especially for mental projectors, are quality and the places that you go make you feel good. Like I used to take all that shit for granted. I used to go, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who I'm around or who I talk to. I'm me, like whatever. The places I go, if I didn't like a place, like if I felt anxiety in a place, I was like, there's something wrong with me. There's mm-hmm. something wrong with me. Like if I don't feel good in the spot, it's not the spot. No, it's the spot. <laughs> and I figured that out. And I think that mental projectors have, like you said, we kind of have a rocky start. Like it's like, whoa, like this is a, this is a lot. I don't know which direction I'm going to go with this, but if you just grab a direction and kind of feel your way along and experiment with little bits and pieces, it's mm-hmm. a lot less overwhelming. And this is true for everyone's chart. Cause yes. I know it can be very overwhelming to get your human design and go, okay, shapes, lines, generator, weight, go, like, what do I do? It's really simple. If you just take the little pieces and go, oh, I should wait for the invitation. All right. I'm going to practice with that for this month because you we're going to be practicing with it for our whole lives. We're going to be experimenting with it our whole lives. So you might as well get started on the pieces that are not simpler, but I think we'll make a more dramatic change for people once they implement them. And I think waiting for the invitation, just like you said, and knowing when invitations are quality for you mm-hmm. is a big, huge deal because as projectors, we really want the invitation. We want to take it and we want to accept it because then we're recognized. People see us, but if it's not the right invitation, like you said, you end up not being seen and feeling really bitter and crappy <laughs> and like, why? Like, what did I do? That's how I would feel. It's like, I did something. And now with human design, I realized, no, it just, it wasn't a good fit. Mm -hmm. We weren't a right fit. And if you don't want to use human design jargon or terms, you don't have to. You can just say, hey, this wasn't a right fit for me. Or I'm going to get back to you on that tomorrow. Or, hey, I'm going to think about on that and I'll get back to you next week. Give yourself more time than you would even want Mm -hmm. and play around with how long you think about the invitations and where they go in your mind or when you soundboard them what happens to the invitation and if it changes and shifts 
let that person know, hey, I do want to do this thing with you or I do accept this, but it has to look like this for me. It needs to be like this for me. Call your shots, say what you want. <laughs> I don't know how I got into this huge tangent of like, yeah, be you, but that's great. Right, and create an awareness it. of your life experience, create an awareness of everything that is around you, everything that you are doing, how you are responding, mm-hmm. because that's, you are creating your human experience. And so I think most people are just literally walking around on autopilot, just living their lives. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. So it can be human design. It can be astrology. It can be breath work. It could be anything that creates an interruption in the hamster wheel that people are mm-hmm. on. And that interruption is where the magic happens. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and with human design, it can be as simple. I have a, a client who's a generator and she is going through a transition in life in career, I should say. And she learned that she's to respond to things Mm -hmm. and she's delighted because (laughs) she said, I no longer have to think about initiating anything. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to respond. And and I just, it makes me so happy for her. Mm -hmm. I think good for you. And it's going to make this whole process smoother and more efficient. My favorite word, Mm -hmm. because you're not wasting any energy Mm-hmm. And, and she's new to this, but she's happy to try it and it's yeah. going really well. Yeah. And it can sound wild or extreme for some people when you look at some of the things that as a generator, you should experiment with, or as a projector, you should try out, but they're not hard and fast rules. They're not forever mm-hmm. and ever. It's like, okay, for this, for today, I'm going to use my yes or no sacral response yep. and see how that goes. And it, it it's not going to dramatically change your life. It's not going to drastically overhaul everything for you, but it puts these thoughts in your head that expand where you see yourself being. And you can go, mm-hmm. you know what? I actually, I'm going to think about for me lately, it's been owning property. I have literally <laughs> never wanted to own property in my life. It terrifies me. And it just seems like something I would never do. Like, no. And lately I've been like, what if you did? What if you had like a little place? And I'll think about the stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm a non-specific manifester, but I don't care. I still paint pictures in my mind of what I want it to look like. Cause for me, it's almost like a game. It's almost like, yes. And I wouldn't allow myself to think about things like that before, because in my head, if that didn't come true, then I messed up. I thought about something. I thought about something I wanted and I didn't get it. Oh, I fucked up somehow. I shouldn't have even put that out in the universe. That was my bad. And now I let my mind go places and I'm like, what if I did this? Or what if I never had to work at that stupid restaurant again? What it would it look like then? Mm -hmm. And I let it go. And before I, I would not, I would not allow that for myself because first of all, I thought it was painful when it's actually really fun. Second of all, like I said, if I didn't make those things happen, then I failed. I messed up at my life. So I wouldn't even allow myself to fantasize about things that I could achieve. But with human design, now I'm like, you know what? It's your, you're, you're experimenting. You're just thinking like, it's not, you're not making things happen with your mind. (laughs) Like you're not that cool, Janelle. (laughs) It's more of, oh, this would be me and this would be fun. And I allowing myself to trust that I can fantasize about stuff Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be real. It doesn't have to, I don't have to make these things happen. And I think that's another big thing for mental projectors is 
you can give out all kinds of advice to people. You can be invited in, give out the advice. It works for them. Great. You don't have to take the same advice. If you give someone advice on their diet or on their uh, spiritual journey or anything that they're on, you don't have to do it. That was a huge piece for me because I felt like a fraud if I would tell someone, hey, you know, maybe if you worked on this piece of your life a little bit more, or maybe if you looked at this and then I wasn't doing the exact same thing 24 seven, like perfect at it, an expert, then I can't give that advice out because I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not an expert. So is that in your chart? Um, when I had my reading done with Teo, he's a mental projector. He said that to me near the end. He's cause I was lamenting about how I would love to give people advice. And some people come to me for advice, but I'm afraid because I don't want to give them something Mm-hmm. that I'm not hundred percent sure is going to work for them that I haven't tried out myself a million times. Like I was afraid to do those things. And Teo said, Janelle, you're not here to do the things you say. And I was like, what? <laughs> he goes, mm-hmm. you can give people advice about their life, but it's not for you. You're the, you're a projector. You're for the other. You're not for yourself. You can't see yourself. You see the other. Mm-hmm. So when you advise them, you're correct. You're seeing them. But the reason that you don't turn it on yourself is because you can't, it doesn't work the same way. The light doesn't work the same way. And it really let me off the hook when it came to helping people, because I actually felt like I could say things and advise things for them. And it was okay if I wasn't that person too, because it's impossible. All the advice and stuff that we tell people, we can't be all of those things all the time. Like it is impossible. So I had to let myself off the hook that I didn't have to embody everything that I was saying. And that's also a big six line thing as the role model six is we're here to do what we want and do it how we want it. And to have people come up and say, Hey, what you doing? Why are you doing it this way? What, how'd you get it to go like this? And I think that's a big piece of it for me is to kind of go, Oh, this is what I'm going to tell you to do, but I'm, I don't need to do that thing. It's fine. <laughs> Because our knowingness is for others. It's not for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And yes. sometimes I think about that, you know, everything's duality. Like the good news is we can tell people what to do and we don't have to do it. The bad <laughs> yeah. news is we can't always know for ourselves in yeah. the same yeah. way that we know for other people. And yeah. that can be very frustrating because exactly. it's so obvious. I remember when I was going through like a lot of dark nights of the soul and a lot of sad moments and I was in my fortress of solitude, there was my higher self would peek out and she would say, what if you doing this for yourself by yourself is you're going to be able to help other people do it. And it will never be as hard for you to guide someone as it is to guide yourself through this. And I thought, okay, you know, but then you just move on with your dark night of the soul. But I think that that's so important to understand. It's like, it's not, it doesn't work the same for us. So that's why I think sometimes projectors come off as like know-it-alls or bossy. I remember I was called direct a lot. We're just Mm -hmm. very direct. I knew that was a negative, but it was. (laughs) It's not though. It is for them, but, but to know that is a positive for you, as long as you know where to direct your your directness. (laughs) Right. And that was, those, those are the scenarios I go back to. And I say, was I invited? And it was like, hell no, you weren't invited. Were you in with like 40,000 sacral beings? Like, and you were on (laughs) the road? Yes. Yeah. You were not 
it's almost like you shouldn't be held accountable for your actions <laughs> right? when you're totally, I totally agree. Is there anything else that you want to share about being a mental projector before we wrap it up? I think that being a mental projector is really a special design and it's taken me a while to really embrace what I, who I believe I am because I had to go through so much change and so much shifting and so much loss and so much rebuilding and remembering. And I think that now I feel lucky to be one because I understand what my role, I feel, I feel more connected to, you know, why I'm here, my role in this human experience. And that part of that is wrapped up in my design. So it, it's, it's a nice feeling. I love that you say that. Um, I recently said on, on another podcast that I never thought I was anything special growing up. I just was like, I'm just a regular, I'm a human, just like everybody else is human. There's nothing special about me. Who cares what I have to say? Who cares what I do? We're all the same. No one is paying attention to me. It doesn't matter. And then learning this piece about being a mental projector, I, I, I keep having to remind myself, you're actually kind of rare and you're special and people want to hear what you have to say and you're a big fucking deal. <laughs> and it's, it's really helped me a lot with my confidence because growing up thinking that you're, it doesn't, nothing and none of it, man. I didn't think I was no, nothing, nobody, like I wasn't in myself like that, but I didn't think there was anything special about me that anyone would care to know about. I didn't understand if, why people would want to be my friend or have any sort of relationship with me because I was just like the next person. And now I realize I am not just like the next person and neither are you. And neither is anybody who's listening to this because your human design chart is so specific and special and different from everybody else's. And if this isn't a call to get your human design chart, I don't know what is. Go to mybodygraph.com, not affiliated with me at all, but it's free and the best place I think to get your chart. Thank you so much for chatting with me, Bridget. This has been one of my favorite conversations. I really feel a special connection when I meet another mental projector, even if it's virtually, because I just feel it. I just feel that we know what the other one is going through a little bit. And it's like a, it's just like a cool commiseration. It's a really fun club to be a part of, I think. It's a very lovely energetic exchange. Mm-hmm. yeah it feels you're right. good yeah you're right and it doesn't feel like when I get off I'm gonna lay on the floor for 10 minutes it's like I'm gonna go on about my day so yeah this is great and I hope that anyone who listens if you're a mental projector we get it it's it it seems overwhelming and you are different but it's in such a good special way and you're gonna learn about it and each time you look at a different part you're gonna be amazed and surprised and be like, whoa, this is a big radical change, but you don't have to make a big radical change. You just have to experiment with little things and go, oh, I like this thing. I'm going to keep doing this thing, you know? And yeah, that's how I feel about mental projectors and all human design types. Just get out there and experiment with what you got. Um, Get curious about yourself. Yeah, exactly. How can we, if people want to find you, do you want people to find you? If you want them to find you, Bridget, how do they find you? (laughs) They can find me on all the regular spots. 
my website is w or thebridgetcooper.com and my Instagram is the same. And I have a Facebook page called Dear Bridget where people can send me questions about their life and I get to answer in Dear Abby, who I always loved. I did too. And I didn't know you had this. Go. Yes. And <laughs> I um and I get my intention is always to empower the person to the, the way that I work with people is to understand the story that they live in and to help them to feel better in their story. Mm-hmm. And so that's always the intention behind my advice is how can the person asking the question feel better, even if nothing changes yeah. in the situation, which, you know, is not good. It's not going to change. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's really fun. And uh, yeah, so if people want to work with me, they can find me on my website and book a free call. And, um, I believe that anybody who invites me into their brain and lets me in, they will leave the conversation with a sense of clarity from within that will feel really good to them. That's yeah. That's awesome. I love that. I love that dear Bridget thing. I've always been kind of a dear Abby freak. I always read them too. And I read, I'll read the question. I'll be like, okay, how would I answer this if I were her? And <laughs> like, then I read the answer. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what did she say? Oh, I, I don't agree with that. Whoever you are, dear Abby, or no, that's great. And I like to go back to the, they archive them and you can go back and read them from like the nineties and crazy the stuff that people ask and the stuff that they will print. I was like, Whoa, okay, cool. But yeah, so that was a tangent that I'm off of, but go to Dear Bridget on Facebook. If you have questions about anything, I'll probably ask you a question because I love this idea. And if you want to find out more about human design, I'm Janelle Turner HD, or you can go to my website, JanelleTurner.net and find out all about human design, get your human design chart. It's really fun and it's not as intimidating as you think. So thank you all for self-care. Yeah, it's like one of the best things you can do for yourself in 2022 is figure out your human design. <laughs> and I'm just- I couldn't agree more. Anything people can do to inject something, a new energy into their experience and human design is a delightful place to start. I agree, I agree. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. We love ya. Thank you for listening to Chatting Human Design. Join me again soon. Have a fantastic day. 